experience that says what? Jesus is the reason for this. Let's say that again. Jesus is the reason for this season. Now, I got a different take on that, I have to tell you. Because everybody says that, we've read it, we've heard it, but I was thinking about this. You know, it's really become kind of merchandised now, now by Christians in the church. I went onto a website, started seeing all these things. You see it on t-shirts, you see it on shirts, you see it on cups, you see it on pins that you can wear, you see it on coffee mugs, you'll see it as a phone app. I mean, you just go right down the line and you continually see this statement that says, Jesus is the reason for the season. Now, I don't want to make anybody mad here, but I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't have any theological access to grind over it, but this is what I believe. I believe Jesus is the season. The scripture says this, that God is love. We always talk about how God loves, and he does. But before he loves, he is love. That's what 1 John says, God is love. And I want to remind you today that without Christ, there is no Christmas. It's simply Mass. And so I want to just kind of tweak with you a little bit tonight. I want to maybe take you a little bit different direction, and maybe like the great theologian Dr. Seuss said, that there's maybe something more about Christmas, and really the reason for the season might just surprise you. It might be something different than what you would come to expect. So I am hoping our prayer has been as a staff is that as you come tonight, we would understand that maybe there is another reason for this glorious season. I love Christmas, and part of it's because of the way that I grew up. I have this little, have this little toy in my office that I keep. I've had it there for a number of years, and it's a great reminder of a couple of things. You see, as a as a young boy growing up, I uh, I lived in this little outpost called Dysfunction Junction, right outside of Clackamas, Oregon. And uh, I had a courtside seat to watching two divorces take place before I graduated from the fifth grade. And, uh, and then uh, I basically raised myself until I was probably a junior in high school and my dad remarried. And what I realized during that time is that, well, there's a lot of difficulty. I had all this freedom that I could fill my time doing whatever I wanted. And I was kind of the toast of the town of all my friends. Ours was the place that everybody wanted to hang out. But when you're in that position and you see everybody else has a wonderful family, it kind of leaves a gaping hole in your heart and your life. And so I grew up doing a lot of things that weren't all that good because I had all this freedom. And uh, as I grew up, I wanted to find something that would fill those holes that were lacking because of a lack of parental love, support, and care, although my dad loved me, as I said, but a different kind of relationship. And so I don't know about you, but uh, like so many people do today in life, young, medium-aged, old, aren't we all trying to kind of fill some of those holes in our hearts and our life with different things? We tried to cram them in, and I find that as, as a young person, I was trying to do that. I, I looked at sports. I was a fairly decent athlete growing up and had some success, and so I thought, man, I, I just stick that in my life, and that'll fill the hole. I 
while it was fun and there was some personal acclaim that uh, I received from it, uh, it, it, it never really fit the bill. I tried to do well in school and be good and do the best that I could and tried to fill my life and kind of take care of the whole that way. And guess what? It uh, worked for a while, but in the end, it never really took care of and, and don't we just see people today, maybe some here, you know, you're trying to fill your life with something. There's people that fill it with, well, with, you know, I'm going to pursue money. I'm going to pursue a great body, great looks, or I'm going to make as much money as I can, and I'm going to be the greatest success that I can. And it was about 39 years ago where my parents, after my dad had remarried, and they were just about ready to go through a third divorce, they forced me to go to this little church in Portland. And it was there where Sunday after Sunday I heard this lethal message about Jesus Christ. It took me a long time to respond. But when I responded, I found this, that you know what I really needed? I needed a hope in something. Something that would really ultimately begin to fill those holes in my life. Ah, but then I soon found out that it wasn't something that I needed. It was really someone. And that someone was Jesus Christ, who celebrate today. And it was him to begin to fill my life with so many good things that I couldn't even be, I couldn't even, I couldn't even understand them or even articulate them at the time. But I knew that once I invited this God in, some things in my life begin to change. Some of the gaping holes begin to change. And I keep this toy to remind me not only of those days back then as a child, because sometimes you know what I do as an adult? I'll kind of get back onto the same track where I'll try and fill my life with And while I try, and I think it's important to do the best in all of those things, ultimately, those can become very frustrating as you go and you focus and think that's how you're going to fill your life. And I always have to come back to this simple truth. that there's really only one thing, one person that can ultimately fill my life and make everything fit together, and that's simply Jesus Christ. Because it was 39 years ago as I was sitting in a church that I realized that even though I was doing all right, a fairly decent person, I was still this thing called a, a sin. Up in Oregon, sometimes it snows, and then you get these snows, and it comes down. And what we would do when we were younger, we'd go out and run out and make these snow angels. We'd make those, and you'd see this little angel there, and then you'd get up, and you'd one angel there, and then you'd There's a scripture of the prophet Isaiah. He said this, that oh, our sins are as scarlet. The thing about snow in Oregon, it wouldn't last very long. It was really dirty. It really brown. It really ugly. So it didn't stay white for very long. And I think that that's just a powerful picture of our lives. Isn't it? That we sit there and our lives, you know, we do the best that we can. We try and perform. We try and look good. But ultimately, it's never enough. And we need this person called Jesus and the prophet Isaiah said it this way, come, let us reason. God would say to you, come and let us reason. Though your sins be as scarlet, though they be crimson red, guess what? God wants to come and wash them white as snow. I remember 39 years ago, I couldn't give you the exact day, but there was a day I made this decision where I didn't articulate it that way, but I knew there were some of those gaping holes 
And I knew is there's this stuff in my life that needed to change. And the Bible uses this word redeem, which means to buy back from slavery. And I was this little kid that was a young teenager, young man that was enslaved by sin. I was, I was enslaved by insecurities. I was enslaved by inferiority. I was, enslaved, I was enslaved by trying to prove myself. And none of those things filled my life until Jesus came into my life. And tonight I want to encourage you to, to think about this Jesus Christ that we celebrate. While we come here tonight, it's kind of a, one of these warm and fuzzy services. I don't ever want you to forget what I had to learn 39 years ago and still learn today. I was a sinner that simply needed to be redeemed and to be bought back from the savages and the slavery of the evil one so that I could have a good life that was filled and fitting of the things of Jesus Christ. That's why I say this. Jesus is the season. And I want you to know that you are the reason for the season. something about the snow. I want to share a story with you tonight. It is similar. It's similar to our senior pastor. I want to tell you the story of a boy named Kyle. See, something about snow reminds him that no matter how dirty or dingy the ground can be, covering of snow is pure and white. Amen? You see, in life, at a young age, I think it's fair to say I was given a little bit more than I could handle. You know what I'm talking about, church? Is there somebody here who maybe at a young age was given a little bit more than they could handle, especially for their age? I heard all the time while growing up, you're an old soul. And how many times I wanted to say, you're welcome to try it. It's not a blast getting here. Because the things it took to, to get me to that point as a young man were, were tragic. I can, I can honestly say that before a certain age, I was probably before, before 10 years old, I had suffered the trifecta of abuse. I had been physically abused, emotionally abused, sexually abused. And I'd, I'd had experiences that were beyond what I could understand and beyond what I could comprehend. And for many years, I struggled with this anger towards God over what that meant. And I, I, would, I would cry out and I would say, Lord, I want my story to count for something. I want it to, to mean something. And I'm sure there are those of you here tonight who feel the same way. Maybe you carry that inside. And I want to tell you that it, it's not just like bad things happen and, and then all of a sudden it's good. This isn't one of those I came to Jesus and everything was easy after that stories because you and I both know the, the walk with Christ although it's beautiful it, it's, it's not just perfect all the time. Amen. I want to tell you how the snowfall of Christ's love and grace came to me in my life and with it I want to challenge you to see his snowfall of love and grace for you. You see when I was young, about 14 or 15, I had the first 
mentor of mine ever. He took me out to lunch. And at the time, I had picked up music, and I had fallen in love with it. And, and he took me out to lunch. It was cheap sushi at the, at the mall down the street. And it, he said, Kyle, what about worship? What about being a worship leader? And I could not believe that I could ever, ever lead the worship of God in an assembly like this. Because when I looked at myself, I saw the dingy, dirty ground, the poisoned soil of sin and pain, divorce, struggle, strife, bitterness, depression, and darkness. And I could not have imagined that I would be standing here today leading you in praise. You see, he wasn't the first mentor who came across my path, who came across my life. There were more men and women of God who inspired me, challenged me, loved me, saw value where I could see none. Because I believed I must be something wrong with me. This is probably all my fault, and there's really nothing I can do about it. But see, when people came and 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 they showed the love of God to me in the way that, that Christ would have his church show his love, it changed my life. That soil was covered over by a layer of pure, pure, beautiful snow, the snow of God's love. And I want to tell you something. If you're here tonight, and in your heart, you're saying, I can't imagine that freedom. I can't fathom it. I've still got that baggage. I've still, I still carry that. This happened to me, and I can't get past it. And that happened to me, and I can't get past it. And here's this kid who's saying that, oh, things can change. Well, let me be honest with you. I still work through things sometimes. I still feel the weight of that. I still have to sit down sometimes and say, why do I feel this way? What's going on? Is this, is this real? Or, or have I not, am I not living in the moment that Christ has given me? Am I living in the past? Has my mind not cut up to, caught up to the reality of the beauty of what God has done? And it's in those moments that God's grace and his love always pours out all the more. I want to tell you tonight that there's a snowfall of grace and love in your life. Sometimes it's hard to see. Sometimes it's just beyond a challenge that you can't think your way through or fight your way through or feel your way through, but I want to tell you that on the stage that I'm standing on, there was a God who loved you. And he opened the floodgates of heaven, sent down his only son in pure humility to bring that snowfall of grace, of forgiveness for sins. And my story is a little bit different than most because of the people who took the time to tell me things. But that's because God comes to us where we are. And I know three things tonight. God the Father loves you. He wants to meet you where you're at. I know that in the past, when he sent his son down, that he, he, he had that snowfall for you. And I know that he intends to do it in the present, in this season, on this day, in your heart, this time. Because as our pastor said, you truly are the reason for this season. My story is a little bit different than the last two stories. 
See, I didn't have the wounds of a dysfunctional family growing up, the ripple effects of divorce. I didn't have the scars and pain of neglect and abuse like Kyle shared. For me, life was pretty smooth and simple. It was easy, comfortable. See, I grew up in a nice house just down the street from this church. I had a loving family, two sisters. My parents are still together in love over 25 years. My dad had a great job, which meant that life was great because we had what we needed. Plus, we also usually had what we wanted. Not to totally spoiled, but enough to say I had a lot of things that caused great happiness. It was easy. No huge speed bumps. No close relatives passing away. No huge emergencies. No traumas. No chaos. Yeah, those little bumps. But I wasn't the one that just went down to the, the school and got drunk. I didn't get into fights. I didn't uh, sleep around with girls. I didn't get invited to parties uh, because I wasn't cool enough. But I didn't get involved in those things. I didn't even have a girlfriend until my wife came around. You might think life for me was boring, but I would say it was easy. I had what I needed. Did Boy Scouts enough to get my free pocket knife? I did basketball, played all throughout my life, watched from the bench most of it, but I enjoyed it. And that kept me away from the harsh realities of probably doing stuff on the street or running away. I never was huge on rebellion. I talked back to my parents, but that's probably as worse as it got. I got soap in my mouth a few times for cussing. I got called once for Christmas. But other than that, it was smooth. It was good. And I thought of myself as a healthy, well-off kid. But Jesus said something interesting about healthy and sick people. He said this to a whole bunch of religious goody-two-shoes back in his day. He said, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. You see, I didn't come to call the righteous to repentance. I came to call the sinners to repentance. His mission, his motto, his MO was to come and seek after and save the lost, the broken, the hurting, the sick. And my downfall, my weakness wasn't that I had a whole bunch of uh, family abuse. It wasn't that I got into huge sins. It wasn't that I had a whole bunch of chaos. It wasn't that I was a rebellious kid. It was the opposite. My downfall and weakness was that I thought I was a good person. My downfall and weakness was that I thought I was well off and didn't need any help. That I was totally good on my own. Why would I need Jesus to come save me from hell when I thought I deserved heaven? Why would I need a God to come and forgive me of all these sins and wash me of all my dirt when I thought I wasn't dirty? Why would I need healing when I thought I wasn't sick. You see, it wasn't until I heard the gospel, the Bible open, and the fact that someone told me that God loved me, that I have a sin problem in my heart, and that Jesus came to save me. It wasn't until I finally heard that, and God brought me to that point, that I realized I was selfish. I was lustful. I was impatient. I was frustrated with people. I was self-righteous. I had anger. I had wounds. I was a sinner, and 
I was sick. From the outside, you, you couldn't have told. Inside, I was hurting. And see, some of us in this room, you may have been told your whole life that you are wretched. You are dirty, not worth it, broken, a sinner. And Jesus comes to tell you, you are also beautiful. But some of you in this room have been told your whole life, like me, you're good. You're beautiful. You're well off. You don't need anything. And Jesus comes to also tell you, you also are wretched. The gospel is good news to sick, but it's disturbing to those who think they're good. And I want to encourage you tonight. I know a lot of people, they come to church once a year, and they feel good about it. And that's what I used to do. It never changed anything. I did it for the show on the outside. I didn't realize that inside there was death and decay that I needed to be from. This Christmas season is about a God coming to save his people from their sin. Jesus substituting himself so you wouldn't have to be punished because he was. So you wouldn't have to be guilty because he was. So you wouldn't have to feel the shame because he was. So you wouldn't have to be distant from the Father because he was. Let me encourage you, challenge you, ask you to consider this season. That he is the focus. That he came to save you doesn't just tell you you're sick. He is the solution and the healing antidote to your sickness, which is called sin. Jesus came to save each and every one of us in this room. And that's why you are the reason for this season. Just a moment, we're going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, turn out the lights and we're going to do our candlelight. Before we do that, I want you to go ahead and grab your candle now, if you would, and just want you to hold on to it for a second. I want to remind you of something. All of us have uh, different stories. Uh, Pastor Chris, Pastor Kyle, myself, we all have a little bit different story, nuanced in different ways because of where we've come from. And I would venture to say that most of us could have some similarities in this room that come from the three stories that we've told, but ultimately it's your own story. But the key about this season is simply that your story is really ingrained or entwined with the Lord Jesus' story. And the scripture says this, that uh, thanks be unto God for his indescribable gift, and it's that gift of Christ Jesus. Scripture says that Jesus really is the ultimate gift that we get. I don't know about you, but this is one of the, the favorite gifts that I get every year. I probably have like four or five of these right now. And if you don't know what it is, it's my girlfriend, uh, Mama C's. And um, so this is, uh, this is a wonderful gift to me. But do you realize what would happen if somebody gave this to me? And I just simply said, well, thank you. That's wonderful. And then I stuck it under a table or I put it somewhere. And I never opened it. What would that be? It wouldn't be a gift. It would just be a something. And this Christmas season is all about the ultimate gift. Thanks be unto God that he loved us so much that it says that he would send his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to be the gift for all humanity. But the truth is, loved ones, that each person has to take the gift and they have to open it. And as we get ready to light our candles, I want to remind you of that because the scripture says this in John 
chapter 1, verse 10, that God sent his only son. But then it goes on to say that Jesus is the light, the light every But to really be lit, you have to open the gift and you have to receive that light. And so as we get ready tonight to light our candles and stand and later in just a few minutes, I'll explain how we're going to extinguish this. I want to remind you of the importance that every one of your stories can become entwined with and interconnected with Jesus so he becomes the true light of your life tonight and this season. Because that's where you'll find your ultimate fulfillment and where life really begins to make sense and come to It's your breath and our lungs, so we pour out our praise, we pour You.